welcome. Prepare your heart as we dive into the Word of God. Pastor Steve of Beloved Church in Lena, Illinois is about to lead you into a life-changing encounter with grace and truth. Jesus Christ has a divine destiny perfectly orchestrated for those who are willing to be adventurous enough to receive His favor and blessing into their life. Our prayer is that you will allow the presence of the comforting Holy Spirit of God to radically display the Father's love for you. You are a part of God's beloved family, and that means you are greatly loved. Now over to Pastor Steve. Psalm 16.3, the godly people in the land are my true heroes, says God. I take pleasure in them. And you can take this right back to bearing the image of God. Every time God specifically designates a part of our identity, a part of who we are, you get a clue into the identity of God. Because if we're his image bearers and he has a requirement on us, then he has a requirement on him. I'll never forget, 26 years ago, I was listening to a message on the love of God. And they took 1 Corinthians chapter 13. You know, love is patient, love is kind. Uh, love is not rude. Love keeps no record of wrongs. All, all those things, it took all those things and they went through there and they were preaching on how we, we need to have, the, have this as part of our lives and we need to walk in love. And, all. and at the end of this message, he said, one of the reasons for this is because love is God. Because God is love. First Corinthians, or uh, yeah. First John 4, 8 and First John 4, 16 both say God is is love. You can actually interchange the words love and God scripturally. And I did this one time. I read the entire New Testament and interchanged God and love. And it was radical. And if God is love and love is God, you can take 1 Corinthians 13 and say God is patient and kind. God keep, is not rude. God keeps no record of wrong. God rejoices in the truth. God does not rejoice in iniquity. And it will give you a radical understanding of the nature of God. And the nature of God is the image of God. And you are the one that bears the image of God. This is why people don't know what love is. This is why Hollywood can make a movie filled with sex and call it love. And the world says, oh, okay, sex is love. Because we, the image bearers of God, don't go out there and properly bear the image that that is not what love is. Because we're no better at bearing the image of God, then the glowing screens, people go with the glowing screens. They're way more entertaining. And we're called to be people who actually have a requirement in our life to have these natures, these characteristics pronounced in our life. I'm not trying to convince you, talk you into, do mental gymnastics, do a super cool TED talk. 
and convince you that you need to be a little bit more heroic in who you are and what you do. I don't want that. If you do anything heroic and it's plastic and it's momentary, it doesn't do us any good. But if you embrace the fact that God created you to be a hero by placing his spirit on the inside of you to give you the supernatural ability to bear the image of hero that he already is, and you have a revelation of that, it changes everything in your life. And now you are a hero. You're not a person doing heroic things. And then when you have a bad day, you hurt people. Good people hurt people. Does anybody know a good person that's hurt them? I don't want you to be a good person that hurts people. It actually hurts more, just so you know. If you're a generally good person and you hurt someone, that actually hurts them more. Because sinners sin. Mean people are mean all the time. Evil people are evil all the time. And so you're just like, ah, you can stay over there. I'll stay over here. I'm not going to. But when you're, when you're a kind person or a nice person and, and, you're, and you're in relationship with someone and then you do something hurtful, it stings 10,000 times harder. Which also means that we have that requirement to not do these things on Sunday because it's church day and so I'm going to be holy in a purple chair. And then go home and kick the dog and beat your spouse and, and get yourself into a, a drug-laced tizzy right after church. You guys know that I've said this uh, multiple times that the hardest time for me to staff my restaurants was Sunday afternoon. I could not find people that wanted to work Sunday afternoon in my restaurants because the Christians. They were mean, in their suits. They'd treat my girls like trash. They wouldn't tip them. They ran them to death because their eggs were too runny and too hard and too runny and too hard and too runny and too hard. I actually kicked multiple times, multiple times kicked Christian. I kicked a table of preachers out of my restaurant one time. And it broke my heart. And they were all fat, bunch of green. I'm going to bear the image of God. And while they were going out, I literally went out in the parking lot and I said, you guys are supposed to represent Jesus. And they had nothing to say. They knew. We turn it off. If you can turn it off, it ain't real. If you can leave out these doors and go be the real you that's different than this you, that's the real you. Colossians 1.27, God did this because he wanted you, beloved, to understand his wonderful and glorious mystery. Mysterious. And that mystery is that Christ lives in you. And he is your hope, your hope, in sharing in God's glory. God's glory. Man, you know how many people would, would trade the glory of this earth 
riches and popularity and YouTube likes and trade that for the glory of God. I pray nobody in this room, I pray nobody in this room. A defining characteristic of a courageous or brave person is their willingness to do the hard thing. You know what's hard about doing the hard thing? It's hard. And I know you think I'm trying to be funny, but it's for real. Doing the easy thing is, that's why everybody does it. It's easy to get McDonald's. It's hard to go home, get your family sat down, make a meal, buy the groceries, cook the thing, do the stuff, clean up the dishes. It's easy to get McDonald's. I'll eat plastic, it's fine. Amen. It's easy. It's easy to just leave a spouse. Just go on. Go do your own thing. Be all tied down with that old ball and chain. I'm out of here. I'm going to be free. Get me a convertible and show everybody my bald spot. Okay, well, you just go, big boy. That's easy. It's easy to cheat your taxes. It's easy to lie. So easy. Sometimes it just like comes out like, where'd that even come from? I've come to the place in my life where I recognize the fact that easy is oftentimes synonymous with Satan. Hard is oftentimes synonymous with Christ. What did Jesus do that was easy? The dying part? The laying down divinity so he could be a baby? the walking in front of humanity that he created, he created them, and most of them hated him. Everyone in here, okay, I don't want to say that. I know that I, if I was Jesus, and I stood in front of a crowd, in John chapter 6, he had thousands of people walk out of his meeting. If I was God, and I was preaching to a thousand people, and they got up and cussed me out and they're ready to leave, I'd be like, whoo, angels, get the swords, baby. Lightning, thunder, and angels, just nuke them all. Bunch of self-centered, self-righteous, arrogant, narcissistic jerks. Get them, Jesus, or I'm Jesus. Get them, angels. I, I'm telling you, I'm not holy enough to not say that if I was there and I had infinite power and, and justification, and he didn't. He let them all leave. And it broke his heart. And he even turned to his disciples and he said, are you going to go? And you know they thought about it because Peter said, uh, where would we go? <laughs> and they were like, hmm, we could leave too. <laughs> But I left there and I left, I'm kind of stuck with this guy. And he says, for you're the one that has the, the, the words of life, the eternal words of life. You know how hard it was to follow Jesus? Think about how hard it was to be Jesus and people not follow you. You're God. You know, when Jesus was in heaven, people, the, the, the entities in heaven the Elohims in heaven and the angels and archangels. You just said the name of Jesus in heaven and they all fell on the ground. 
threw their crowns and worshipped him for infinite amounts of time. Just saying his name. And he comes down here and they spit on him and tear his beard out and kick him and cuss him out and call him all kinds of stuff. He did that to rescue me and I wasn't even born and he knew I'd spend the first 20 years of my life being a jerk. He had hope in me sharing his glory with him. And it was totally worth it to him to do the hard thing, to do the hard thing. I promise you it's worth it to you. Whatever that thing is that's hard for you, I promise you it's worth it. Nobody does the hard thing because they want to. They do it because it's right. I don't know why this is hitting me. I want to be a part of a, of a tribe, a group of people who just do the right thing. I don't need reasons for it. I don't need excuses for it. I don't need someone rooting me on. I don't need cheerleaders standing behind me, go Steve, do the right thing. I don't want to do it for the money. I don't want to do it for the fame. I don't want to do it even for your praise. I don't even want to do it for the praise of God. I want to be a person that does the right thing just because it's right. And if nobody ever knows, and if I never get any accolades of any kind for doing the right thing, I'm going to do it. The weaker, infeminate, more emotional, and more left-wing society becomes, the less people there are who are willing and capable to do the hard thing. The reason I'm standing in front of 100, let's say you're doubled out there, 200, maybe 300 people total between here and that'll watch, maybe 400 on a good day, I'm talking to 400 people out of 360 million in America. A tiny fraction. Why? Because the more deeply dark our society becomes, the fewer and the fewer people are capable of doing this. And there's people in this room that won't. Just won't. You're kind of going to do your thing. Sorry, God. Sorry, preacher. I'm going to kind of do my thing. Somebody else can be a hero. If that attitude is in this building, and you all know that it is, not everybody's as holy as whatever, if it can still exist in this environment, in this culture, imagine that culture. There's nobody out there that's going to embrace the character of hero.
I learned this in Germany. I used to, I heard this statement all my life. First time I heard it was when I ran a little cafe. I was 14 years old in Forreston, Illinois, and I ran a cafe called the Cardinal Cafe. And I'd go and open up the cafe at 4 o'clock in the morning, and I'd run it until 7, whatever. And then I'd walk from the cafe to school and do school, and then I'd come back and clean up the cafe. It was the cafe manager, 14 years old. And in the slow times in the breakfast morning, we had this big table, about 10, 12 guys, farmer guys, and they'd sit there, and they'd smoke cigarettes and solve all the problems of the world. And you guys know what I'm talking about. And so I'd stand there and listen to them. I was... I was kind of in a deficit for father figures in my life, and so I'd listen to the wisdom of these old guys, because in between the jokes about girls' bodies and, and being crude and all that, you, they, would, they would drop these little things that were so wise. And I was so badly in deficit of hearing wisdom in my life. And I remember one of them was talking about the fact that he was... Uh, he was kind of depressed because he had this attitude in life where he just said that I'd, I just kept my head down, I walked fast, I didn't talk, and I didn't come in contact with anybody. And I did my 40 years at, at, at back then it was Kelly's. I did my 40 years at Kelly, got my, got my pension or whatever they got, retirement. And he was sitting at that table and he was lamenting the fact that his attitude was head down, walk fast, don't talk, don't get in contact with anybody, just avoid just do everything you can to avoid to get to the eventual end of have a pension. That was his heaven. And I heard this statement from him and a bunch of the other guys are talking about, yeah, this is kind of a thing. And we were in Germany, and you guys might remember this from last week, we were in Germany, and the entire German culture has a little bit of this still remnant there. And so I asked Kai about it, our, our host in Germany. I said, Kai, what's the, the deal with these? He said, he says, in Germany, we, we put our head down, we walk fast, we don't talk, we don't contact anybody. And I said, why is that? He said, because that's what the communists taught us to do. That's what the communists taught us to do. That's how the Nazis trained us to be. And here we are in America, in the land of the free, in the home of the brave, being good little communists when God wants us to be heroes. Heroes don't operate their life like that. 2 Timothy 3.1, first one is gonna be the Berean, the second one is gonna be the NASB, and the third one is the King James. They're all basically the same verse, and I'm just gonna change one word. But understand this, in the last days, terrible times will come. It's one of my words that I overuse. I use the word terrible all the time. Oh, this tastes terrible. Oh, that was terrible. I, I know I overuse it. I'm trying to fix it. It doesn't help that I'm reading it in the Bible. In the last days, terrible times will come. Okay. Sorry. I just told you that in the last days, terrible times are going to come. Stupid preacher, why aren't you up there like dancing and telling us about all the glory and the whoop whoop and good times, baby? Jesus is going to come. He's going to fix everything and put frosting on it. It's going to be wonderful. Yep. And terrible times are going to come. And if you've been alive longer than 18 minutes, 
you're probably aware of the fact that terrible times are going to come. Everybody in this life, I'm going to prophesy. Oh, feel the Spirit of God. Whoa. And I say, thus saith the Lord, Jesus loves you. Anybody had that prophecy before? I used to get that all the time. God's telling me that, that he really loves you, Steve. And I, sometimes I stand in front of these people and I'm like, wow, you're prophetic or pathetic. One of the two. Jesus loves you. Yep, that's a good prophetic word. Jesus loves you. Here's another good prophetic word. Terrible times will come. Well, which one is it? Yes. Because Jesus loves you, when the terrible times come, they're not terrible for you. In the NASB, it says difficult times. Difficult times will come. Well, I thought everything was going to be rainbows, butterflies, and Jesus. Well, you ain't been a part of Beloved Church very long. Because that ain't how it rolls. You have an adversary, the devil. He wants you dead. As much as God loves you, Satan hates you. Equal portions. As much as God wants you to have eternal life and blessings and, and rise above all the garbage in this world and be an overcomer and be victorious, as much as God wants all those things for you, Satan wants the opposite. And just so you know, most people are better at following the guy that's trying to kill them than the guy that's trying to bring them life. Because this is, this is normal over here. You start following this guy over here, and the whole world's going to be like, what in the world is wrong with you? When did your brain go dead? No, I actually just have the wisdom of God. I'm going to do the right thing. Yeah, but you gave your money to the church. I know. To you, that's stupid. But I have a God. Well, where is your God? I can't see your God. Where's your virus? I can't see that either. <laughs> The King James says perilous times are going to come. I actually like that one, perilous. <laughs> we, we don't use that word very often. It's one of the reasons I like the King James a lot because there's so much antiquated language in there. It makes you look it up. You got, you got to go study it out. Perilous times are going to come. Dangerous. You know, there's a whole swath of humanity right now that is literally blind, deaf, and dumb. And they're following the Pied Piper, and they are running helter-skelter, waiting to get to the edge. And some of these people are so stupid that they'll be 20 feet down off the cliff, falling to their demise, and they'll be like, wait, what? It is way too late way too late. And I'm literally, one of, the, I've, one of the prophetic callings in my life is to be a modern day John the Baptist, and I used to reject it. I got this, this prophecy in my life like 15 times, and the first 10 that I got was like 20 years ago, 20, 18, 16, and I would get this prophetic word, you're called to be a modern day John the Baptist, you're called to be, and I, it actually started to irritate me. I'm like, look! 
I'm not going to be wearing camel's hair, standing in the water, smelling like a skunk with bug legs and honey off my beard, screaming at people to repent. I'm not going to do it. I'm going to work at Waffle House. <laughs> Like, no, I'm going to be a preacher, I'm going to have a suit, I'm going to look okay, I'm going to not have bug guts in my beard, and I'm going to tell people Jesus loves them. Right? Because nobody likes the guy that says, repent! Kingdom of heaven is here. Nobody likes that guy. Definitely doesn't get no offerings. The guy over here, oh, you're so pretty, God loves you, and here's an offering envelope. You spell million with M-I-L-L. -L. I didn't want to be John the Baptist. You know, they killed him. Lopped his head off. You know, I'm, I'm not trying to die. Just because mom called me Stephen doesn't mean I'm trying to get martyred. <laughs> but, and then the pandemic comes. <laughs> All right, let's go, bucko. Heroes have two essential qualities that set them apart from non-heroes. They live by their values, and they are willing to endure personal risks to protect those values. I'm going to pause right there. This is me talking. Do you have values? And I, I know that you're answering like, well, of course. What are they? And I'll tell you this. If you think you have a value, and people that are close to you think that you don't have that value, then you don't have that value. That hurts. Because I've done that before where I've said, well, you know, one of my personal values is such and such. And somebody said, really? Like, well, yeah, really. I've never seen that. Well, you're not paying attention. I know you pretty well. You know how you can tell what values you do and you don't have? Talk to someone that knows you well. Ask them, hey, honey, what are my values? Football? Cheese? Pizza? Beer? Those aren't my values. My values are be a good person and be a good husband. Okay. Are you trying to convince me or you? Heroes have values. They know what those values are and they live their life to protect those values. Their values and their personal beliefs give them the courage and the resolve to endure risk and even danger in order to adhere to those principles. So last week when I said heroes do hard things, I gave you heroes do hard things, number one. And the reason I made it number one is because I honestly think it's one of the hardest things. And the number one hard thing that I believe that heroes do is forgiveness and reconciliation. Forgiveness and reconciliation. This is so hard, there's people in this room that won't do it. Forgiveness means to release the debt. Or in other words, it resets the standard. Uh, Chris Valton does a, a great message about 
releasing the data, resetting the standard. And I'd encourage you to go and listen to it. I'm sure you can find it on YouTube. But it's one of the best things that I've ever heard someone talk about this in that regard. And Danny Silk does another one that talks about um, understanding reconciliation. He uses different terminology, but this works for me. Let's say I come into your house, you invite me over, and I come into your house, and you have brand new, brand new, $100,000 carpet. Brand new $100,000 carpet. Like you're just weird with carpet. You had to have the carpet, your carpet fetish person. And so you, you invite me in and you're like, hey, you know, I, I did invite you to my house, you know, but please take your shoes off. Just got brand new carpet. Literally, they finished yesterday. You're the first person to ever come in here. And you're like, hey, it's really special carpet. And please, I want you to come in and enjoy it. Please take your shoes off. In fact, take your socks off because this carpet feels awesome on your bare feet. So I'm in there. I'm like, oh, you're right. This is almost magical carpet. <laughs> Jen's screwing up her face. She not, must not be a foot person. <laughs> you keep your feet to yourself. <laughs> and I'm not getting invited to the Hutchinson house. <laughs> not by her foot. <laughs> keep your boots. Uh, and I'm standing there in the, in the and they're like, hey, and by the way, we're gonna be painting the walls and we've already got the colors picked out and this is gonna be really awesome. And they're like, this, this color, this red, is the color for the house. And they show me, and they got a little sample of the paint, and they're like, you should feel this paint. It's even special. And so they give me this little spoon, and I dip it out, and I'm feeling the paint. It's like, man, you're right. This paint is as awesome as this carpet. Like, when you get done in a hachoo! <laughs> Whatever it takes... For me to get that figured out, whatever personal cost it is, is reconciliation. Now let's pretend I come into the same living room and I get my six foot step ladder out and I put it in the middle of the floor and I climb up on the very tippy top of the six foot step ladder with a five gallon bucket of that red paint. And I go, <laughs> the amount of paint that spills on the floor determines the amount of work you got to do in the reconciliation. If Steve Castle commits adultery and steals the offering, there's 400, or by the time the store gets out, there's 10,000 people that I'm going to have to do the right thing to bring reconciliation. Random person living their life, peripheral Christian, steals a little money from the workplace, flirts with the girl down the, down the, the aisle from them at the factory. Little, little spoonful of paint they gotta clean up. Steve Castle, tens of thousands of lives. Part of being a hero is being willing to influence all those lives and then being necessary for you to embrace the idea that you're gonna to have to bring reconciliation when you do fail. And this is why most people don't do reconciliation when they fail because they think it didn't really affect very many people. 
when you call upon the name of God, when you bear the image of God, reconciliation is way more important. I use James 5, verse 16, where it says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Confess your sins to one another. And I'm saying this again because this is still radical to me. There's nowhere in the entire New Testament where it tells you to confess your sins to God. You know, one of the reasons is, that's easy. That's, that's easy. Well, God, you've seen all the stuff I did anyway, so I'm sorry for all the stuff I did that hurt the 40 people. Good. We're all back to good, right, God? Me and you. So now I can just go walking in there like everything's good because I went to God and got it all worked out. What's wrong with you? Don't you understand? I mean, if God forgave me, what's wrong with you? God loves me. Why don't you? Because you're a jerk. You hurt 40 people. You spilled paint all over the carpet and you aren't even, you don't even care about cleaning it up. Clean up your paint. Confess your faults one to another. I'm sorry. This is what I did. This is what I said. This is how I carried myself. This is how I handled myself. I hurt you. I'm sorry. Please pray for me. I don't want to do it again. Well, right now I'm struggling to pray for you because it did hurt. I know, it hurt. And if you can't pray for me right now, I get it. And if you need a week to process, but I'm letting you know, I'm sorry. And when you're ready to pray for me, let me know. But I promise you, between now and then, I'm going to show you that I'm authentically desiring to reconcile. And then healing comes. I know people's kids that are sick because they won't do this. They've allowed Satan to have a foothold in their heart, which gives Satan a foothold in their home, which brings sickness and disease into their house. I know people that got cancer because of this. Unforgiveness definitely breeds cancer cells. Number two hard thing, be humble and authentic. Be humble and authentic. Heroes do not excuse or justify their sins, their failures, or their issues. That is not how a person who bears the image of Christ operates. I don't give reasons why I get to act like the devil. God gave me a reason why I'm supposed to act like him. Christ in me, the hope of sharing in God's glory. Anytime I do a failure past that, I don't get to say, well, my mom was mean to me when I was eight, and so now I'm going to be a drug addict. As if those two have anything to do with each other. But people, this is, people make excuses for everything in their life. 
I was abused, and so therefore I'm going to do this. It's an excuse. And, and to you it makes sense. It's, it's been justified. Well, my kids are terrible, and so I punch them. That's how I discipline them. And to you, if it makes sense to you, it's justified to you. A humble and authentic person actually lets someone else speak into their life. The Word of God. The Spirit of God. Godly people. Godly people that you didn't ask to get sent into your life. Those are the favorite ones. Right? Because we usually go to the people that we want to. This is how tail-bearing and gossip works in church. Right? Sorry. All right, now we know where they come from. <laughs> if somebody has a problem with me, you know they don't go to K. Right? right? You know, I, Steve, with him acting all like he can teach us how to be heroes. You know, what an arrogant, narcissistic jerk. And you know, he, he probably makes too much money anyway. You know who they're talking to? It ain't Kay. It ain't Ryan. It's that other person that they picked up in the spirit, eh, not a super fan of Steve Castle. And then they get that other person, eh, I don't know about Steve. I'm still new at the church. Oh, you're new here? Let me tell you how... Uh, Steve is. You know, you'll never pick up a, from the pulpit and don't ask Kay because she'll tell you something different. But I really know how Steve is. Since you're new here, you should listen to me. First John 4, 20 and 21, if anyone says, I love God. Anybody in here love God? Yeah. You're scared to raise your hands. Oh man, he's going to say something. If anyone says, I love God, and hates his brother, he's a liar. I hope everybody that raised your hand, all you courageous people that raised your hand, I hope you don't have any hatred for anyone. And hatred, Jesus defined what it is, which is have ill thoughts towards. Amen. Some of you might have some ill thoughts towards me right now. Hopefully you didn't raise your hand. For he who does not have his who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot 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 you, you know that's a that's in the bible you know the god that says all things are possible to him that believes god can do impossible we sing songs about the impossible impossible god how you're Glory goes on and on. So then, how can he put cannot in the same Bible with the impossible? Because only the impossible God can tell you what's impossible. He's saying you cannot love God. Wow. Not loving your brother. This is how you make a church quiet right here. This, this, is, this is how you do it. I'm sorry that the Bible says these challenging things, but you're a hero, and heroes do the hard thing. 
And this is the commandment that we have from him. Whoever loves God must also love his brother. You know, you can be saved without loving God. That'll mess with you. And I probably shouldn't even dive off into this deep end, but it's true. You can be saved and not love God. You can just be like, hey, thanks for the cross thing. You're cool, Jesus. You did a solid. Thank you. I'll take it. I don't want to go to hell. There's a lot of people that are, that are just one inch on this side of the fence and being on this side of the fence is being on this side, whether you're one inch or one million miles. But what a terrible way to live. What a terrible way knowing that you're just one inch from failing. If this is the line here, I'm going to get so far that way that I don't even know there is a line. But some other people, they're like, well, I can do this. I can live like Satan on Saturday night and Sunday's a coming. I'm going to go down the altar, get me some, some Jesus juice, wash over everything, and woohoo, Saturday night's coming again. And there's people that live that way. What happens if something happens between Saturday night and Sunday morning? Like maybe you don't know that your soul might be required of you that day. Oh boy. Matthew 6, 12. Does anybody in here know the Lord's Prayer? Yes. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts. Do you believe that? What if God forgave you equally as you forgive others? You just prayed it. You gave God permission to give you equal forgiveness to what you give out. You tricked me, preacher. You've been saying this your whole life. I ain't the one that tricked you. You blame that first preacher you had. We've prayed this literally our whole Christian lives, and we didn't even realize that we were literally telling God we only want forgiveness to the degree that we give it out. Forgive us as we forgive. That, that probably changes it a little bit, right? God's just the heavenly bread dispenser and forgiveness dispenser, and he's going to give us everything that we need, you know, for life. And then we throw this in there. Well, just forgive us to the degree that we forgive. <laughs> okay. I'm glad you prayed it. A humble and authentic person sees something like this and they're like, hey, you know what? This, this is probably God since it's in the Bible and Jesus taught everybody to know this. Maybe I need to make sure that as a humble and authentic person, I operate this way in my life. I'm gonna start with my spouse because I have a lot of stuff pent up about her. 
and I probably shouldn't. This is easy to do with people that are close to us. Let me, let me give you humble and authentic, and since I kind of burst this bubble a few weeks or maybe months ago now, I can use this. So, so please play along. We're gonna do some reindeer games here for a little bit. You, you can just smile and nobody will know that you're offended by anything I say. So I'm gonna use the term fat to, I'm gonna stay looking right up there at all the skinny people in YouTube and Rumble. And I'm gonna use this term to show us how unhumble and inauthentic we've allowed our lives to become based upon how culture works and society works and we've been baptized in it for so long. You know, a fat person today, stay up there, a fat person today, they are big boned. That's why. They're not actually fat, they're big boned. When I was a kid, we were fat when we were kids. Fat. <laughs> I'm telling you the truth, fat. We were fat. I had, I had permanently stained Dorito fingers. <laughs> That's how fat I was. That's my, permanently stained Dorito fingers. I went to school with Dorito fingers. And we were husky. Anybody young enough to remember husky? Mom would take us shopping for our one, our one stuff. We get one pair of jeans and one thing every year. And she'd take us shopping and she'd take us over in the husky department. I always thought husky was like, yeah, cool. <laughs> one day I'm going to get chest hair because I'm husky. And then I grew up and I learned husky was just fat. You know what would have helped me? Call me fat. That's just me. Maybe you're not that way. But for me, it would have helped me. Hey, Steve, you're fat. No, I'm not. I'm husky. No, husky means fat. I'm fat. You're fat. Well, I don't want to be fat. Fix it. Mom didn't make me fat. Look at her. She's got to stand twice to make a shadow. How about this one? We have such a, we have such a medicated society. I'm not fat. I have a thyroid problem. No, you got a hamburger problem. My metabolism is slowing down since I've gotten older. Yeah, and since your butt's been planted on that lazy boy chair. It's amazing how your metabolism and your butt are doing the same thing. I just look at food and gain weight. I love that one. Really? I look at money and it doesn't work the same way. <laughs> the first step is to call a sin a sin. I used to stand in front of the mirror. Oh, Jerry. Jesus, help me. <laughs> stand in front of the mirror naked and be like. I'm not that fat. I know I'm the only one. The rest of you are like. But I, you, would, you would literally look at it. I'd look at my fat and say, not that fat. Can't breathe very good, but not that fat. You can't even say it to yourself. Nobody's in there. It's me in the mirror. And the mirror already knows the truth. 
And I'd look at it, I'm not, I'm not that fat, not that fat. <laughs> and one of the things that changed me was that one time I'm standing there and I'm doing it and I'm like, I'm not that fat. <laughs> and God bless the Holy Spirit. The comforter on the inside of me said, no, you are. <laughs> Who let Satan in the bathroom? <laughs> you, can't, you can't empower yourself to have victory over something that you don't think you need to have victory over. If you think it's right, how can God empower you to fix it? It's already right. You've got to call the sin the sin. You've got to call it what God calls it. You know, confessing unto God, the Greek word for confessing in the scripture means to say the same thing as. So when you confess your sin, you're actually saying the same thing as it actually is. I was mean with my words. I'm sorry that I was hateful and mean with my words. You don't get to say, I'm sorry that you got offended. That's not actually authentic and humble. Authentic and humble is, I'm sorry I hurt you. I'm sorry I said bad things. If I can't call my fat fat, then I can't deal with gluttony which is an addiction, and I can't deal with my laziness, which the Bible calls, anybody know? Slothfulness. You don't get fat because you looked at food. You get fat because you're a glutton and you're slothful. So until you say, I'm fat, you can never deal with what created that, which is slothfulness and gluttony. So you can't call those things a sin. So you know what you'll do? I just love having four desserts at the potluck. Because it, it doesn't matter. It's not wrong. It's okay. We make fun of it now. Hey, watch how many hot dogs I can eat. Guys do it. Gals don't. They just do it in their car when nobody's looking. <laughs> Oh, I know how you girls operate. <laughs> the first step is to call a sin a sin. If you're fat, call it fat. And you will at least start the empowering journey towards actually dealing with it as a debilitating and damaging problem. You know, your life is shortened if you're fat. That means if you love your kids, you love your spouse, or you love your God, then that would be more important to you than french fries. I know. You came here to get the cool message from the, and check the list and do the box, and here I am talking about food at lunchtime. When you do this, you'll have to acknowledge and repent slothfulness or gluttony which are addiction-type sins, like drugs, alcoholism, and pornography. Gluttony is in the exact same place in Scripture as alcoholism. An addiction is an addiction. Porn is an addiction. And if we 
up and down on the scale justify these things, then we will never be able to bring the divine solution to the problem. Most of us just want to deal with our problems in our life by willpower. I'm just going to drink less. That's, you guys have heard me talk about that. It's just a dry drunk. An alcoholic that drinks less is a dry drunk. An alcoholic that comes to the cross and says, I have a problem to Jesus. Jesus ushers in the Spirit of God, and then they get the fruit of the Spirit, which is called self-control. Willpower will let you down. The fruit of the Spirit called, called self-control will control self. 1 Peter 5, 5, 8. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourself, all of you, with humility toward one another. How many knew that was part of that verse? Well, I'm humble towards God. Uh, no. If you ain't humble towards man, you definitely ain't humble towards God. With humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. You want to make God your enemy? Be proud. God will oppose you. The very God that wants to be your friend, that wants to be your lover, that wants to be your savior, that wants to be the one that takes you into the glorious life that he has created for you, that very same God you will turn him into your enemy when you approach man and him in pride. And this is so common today that sometimes we don't even recognize it. Right. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God so that at the proper time, he may exalt you. I'm busy exalting myself over here, God. You ain't got to worry about me. I got it. Okay. Casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. I never connected this for years. But you do realize that the person that he finds to devour was already illustrated a few verses before. There are people that I know that the reason their lives are being devoured by the enemy is because they are operating in pride and they won't even acknowledge it. They could take notes on all the things that Satan is doing in their life. And I could come in and say, you know, it might be a little bit of self-righteousness or some pride or some arrogancy. Nah, that ain't it. Shut up, preacher jerk. Okay, well, you just go on and figure it out yourself. But the fact that this is connected to two verses before, to me, is pretty revelatory. If the only people Satan can devour are the ones that are operating in pride because God has now opposed them, makes a ton of sense in my brain. Whereas if I'm humble and God is on my side, how in the world is the enemy going to ever devour me? If God is on my side, who can be against me? Though a thousand fall at my side and ten thousand at my right hand, it shall not come nigh me. 
But if I take myself out from the shelter of God in pride and arrogancy, the devil is just waiting on that periphery. He's waiting for that gimp sheep that's not with the flock, that ain't doing the right thing, that's wandering around, staring at a glowing screen, and then wham! God, why didn't you protect me? God, where was my flock? Why did, why God, why? You're such a mean God. And I've talked to these people. You are the heroes that have to embrace being humble and authentic as we go into these terrible, perilous times. Do you accept your call? Please rise. Thank you so much for sharing this time with us as we have encountered Jesus Christ through the ministry of his life-changing word. If you would like to learn more about Steve Castle Ministries and Beloved Church, you can go online to stevecastle.com or belovedchurchillinois.com. You can also contact us at 815-990-0367. Always remember that you are a part of the Beloved Family of God and Beloved Church is the place where you are greatly loved. Now please open your heart to receive as Pastor Steve proclaims the blessing of the Father over your life. I pray, I declare that above all things that you allow the finished work of the cross to bring prosperity into your finances and also divine health prospering your body and all of these things are going to affect you in a supernatural way as you allow your soul, your mind, your will, your emotions and your personality to be perfected in prosperity that the Father desires for you to have. We love you and we cannot wait to see and be with you again soon. Goodbye, beloved.